0: From the studios of One Jack's Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. If you got your Bibles, you're going to want to be in Exodus 25, um, and we'll be also in Hebrews uh, chapter 9 and 10-ish, and then we'll close uh, in Exodus 40. Um, okay, let's see here. we got a present for the church from... Tanya, hopefully, she is listening. Oh, yeah, look at that, huh? We got a nice little He is risen. I must, and He is risen, hey, amen. All right, I think there's a card in here I'm supposed to read, so let me find that. So, y'all know Tanya is uh, our online member, <laughs> she lives in North Carolina, yes, uh, and uh. Uh, she was visited by bro and wife. <laughs> that would be, huh? what'd you say? Uh, that would be Claude and Andrea. They, uh, this is Tanya is Claude's sister. And um, so uh, if you know the backstory of all that, uh, uh, she kind of was uh, having some conversations with them. They kind of helped her understand some things she needed to understand. Uh, she got led to the Lord, uh, and uh, they've been in the process of discipling her, and she has been our online member for, gosh, it's probably been about a year now, huh? Yeah, so, uh, and she, face, I'll tell you what, she's faithfully listening every week. Uh, she is on every week, and so uh, I know she's listening right now, I'm assuming, and uh, so let me read the card. <clears throat> it says, I want to give you, One Baptist Church Jacks a token of my appreciation for lifting me up in my faith through worship, music, and discipleship. I am truly blessed to be a part of a church, even online, that is a Bible-believing, uh, a Bible-believing church. The Bible is the final authority, God-fearing Christians, that divide the Bible rightly uh, and does not put one's own thoughts or opinions into God's truth and compare Scripture with Scripture. Thank you all, and God bless you all. Have a blessed and Merry Christmas. Tanya Merrill. Uh, so, amen. Thank you, Tanya. We much appreciate that. Um, I wish I had a piece of tape. I'd put that baby right there. make this work I will make this work nope I will not make this work make that work okay <laughs> there we go uh, and, and so where's my uh, my my folks who do know how to decorate yeah you, you figure out do something with this right here okay decorators we're missing Pam where's Pam 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 ditched us today all right I'm gonna have a talk with her um, <laughs> our decorators will decorate appropriately um, we have a lot of decorators in this church, I've noticed. Depends on what they're doing. Um, anyways, all right, so amen. Hey, uh, gosh, five days from now is Christmas. Man, this year went by fast. And it was a crazy year, honestly, it was. But it, it just, for, I mean, for me, it went by fast. Uh, man, I just cannot believe uh, we are at the end of the year already. Um, Thursday night, we will be having our uh, special Christmas Eve service. Um, we haven't been able to do that in quite some time. Uh, So I highly encourage you, if you can, come on out. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm not the one speaking, but I'm going to assume we're going to shorten it a little bit. Okay, uh, I got the I got the word uh, that we are, um, and so uh, it won't be the normal uh, length of time. We know that it's family night and things to that matter. Uh, so, man, if you can if you can hop out here on Christmas Eve night and just kind of hang out with your church family for a a, a little while, uh, obviously that would be a great thing for not only you but uh, for our church. So, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I believe we are we have a special guest speaker, Mr. Claude Engel, right? Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. Um, excited about that. You didn't know that? Well, you know now. So you got four days to prepare. So get ready. Okay. Uh, and then and then Jim didn't know this either, but he's preaching next Sunday, uh, Jim Martin. So now we got, we got everybody. So we're... we're the pastors are taking off. We just said, you know what? Forget this. Um, we've done a good job training people up. Let them take care of it, and so they're going to do that. And I know they're going to do a great job. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Lord's laid on their heart in these uh, uh, in, in, in these particular subjects: uh, Christmas, and then I think Jim is going to to kind of do a review of the Tabernacle, if something along those lines, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> just want to make sure I was on the same page with you. Um, looking really forward to that. Uh, I've been involved in uh, discipleship with Justin and Jim now for gosh, we got to be going on two years, yeah, yeah. And I'll just tell you, man, just it's it's every time we have conversations, uh, it's it's just uh, really really good. Um, sometimes we get it off a little subject, sometimes, but sometimes we're on subject, and uh, you know, whatever the Lord leads, discipleship's not just necessarily all about. That uh, sometimes, you know, you gotta just talk life and that's okay too. Uh, that's what discipleship is. And uh, um, it's just uh, uh, feeding. Uh, you know, what I love about these two guys, especially as they've grown in their own faith, um, you know, yes, I'm the pastor of the church, but iron sharpeth iron. And I love that these guys are sharpening me at times. And man, the, you know, that's, a, that's an awesome thing, man. Uh, uh, truly is. If you're not involved in discipleship, I highly encourage you to get involved in discipleship. I don't care if you've been disciple five years of your life and you're the, okay, then take somebody under your wing. Uh, it's just worth it, man. It's just developing those relationships, keeping you and the person that you're discipling um, um, accountable. If If not for anything, it's worth that. It's worth that. Uh, because it helps you, man, it helps keep you accountable, um, and uh, you know in the, I remember in the beginning, uh, Jim had to put me in, in my place a little bit because I was busy kind of in our beginning points there, and jim 's like, "Hey, man, if we can 't do this every week we 're just going to have to stop, and he put me in my place, and we 've done it every week since then haven 't we <laughs> i 'm not canceling it. I can tell you that right now if i 'm canceling it it's it 's because some oh by the way, I lost my phone uh Tuesday um, so I don't know if you knew this, know the story behind that. I think my wife posted something on Facebook, but um, I don't know what happened. Tuesday was raining; it was pouring. Uh, I came out of the store. I ran to the to the vehicle because you know it was again it was raining. I think that's when I lost it. I'm not sure. All I know is I got home, didn't have my phone. I'm like, ah, what did I do with my phone? I was hoping I left it at home. I was on my way home when I figured it out. And then I got home, and I, it wasn't there. So um, I took my son's phone, and I, uh, thankfully, an iPhone. It has the Find Your Phone feature, so it pinpointed my phone to exactly where it was. It was in some guy's house. <laughs> uh, he must have found it, picked it up. Uh, again, good guy. He picked it up, and uh, uh, we, we we got it back. Uh, but unfortunately, um, I can't get into it. Uh, it's broken. Um, the numbers on it. Uh, uh, hey guys, welcome. That is very nice. I like that. Can I get one of those? I'll wear it. I'll wear one of those. Yeah. <laughs> it looks nice. I'm just playing with you. It. it really does. Um, but, uh, but, anyways, I can't get in my phone. So, so, if you've been trying to reach me for any reason this week, listen. Like, man, pastor's ignoring me. What's going on here? He must not like me anymore. It's probably true, I don't. But uh, I can't get back to you because, you know, uh, my phone's broke. (laughs) Uh, So uh, hopefully, you know, and because of all this COVID stuff going on, I had to make an appointment with iPhone or uh, Apple. Uh, So, you know, uh, I got to bring it in, uh, I think, Tuesday. So hopefully somewhere around Tuesday afternoon, I'll have it back. Um, So Jim, we can't meet Tuesday because I have no phone. Okay. Oh, we'll find a way. All right. Jim's gonna find a way. Um, so I, I, Justin, yeah, you 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 felt the the, the yeah, Justin was very upset at me. He he, you know, it's the first time I ever ever heard Justin say something bad about me. He emailed me back and he like just went off on me for like three whole uh, minutes. But. I'm completely lying right now. Don't believe anything I just said. No, he was very, very humble. He was very, very humble about it. And anyways, Jim won't be, let me be humble. He'll, he'll just make me meet him anyways. Um, and that's okay. We'll, we, we're good with that. Justin wasn't. A, Justin, he's grown his faith a little bit. If he, he would have found a way. <laughs> Y'all know I'm joking, right? I love these guys, man. They are, they are. Uh, 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 honestly, it's been, it's been good. And, uh, and I love all you guys. Uh, I'm thankful for all you guys. You know. I know it's Christmas time, man. And I know that, uh, uh, you know, obviously the, the focus uh, uh, as well, definitely not on Christmas trees. Robert made sure of that. Okay, definitely not on Christmas trees. The focus is on Jesus, amen. And, and so certainly uh, we, we, we will do that for sure. I'm sure on Thursday, Claude, if you don't have that in your message, make sure you focus on Jesus, okay? Um, and, and, uh, uh, but, but listen, man, there's a reason for the church. There's a reason for the body and just being able to grow together uh, and, and, and serve together and do the things that we do together. Uh, man, uh, for me, I didn't know that life you know, prior to my salvation. You know, I lived for myself before that. And when I figured out that this was really about a bigger cause, uh, the cause of Jesus and for his kingdom, uh, and that we all get to do this together, uh, man, man. Um I just see things really a lot differently now uh so and I hope you do too uh so okay that's all my my talk. I guess I can start um, so we've been talking about this thing of the tabernacle today we will officially as far as I'm concerned, we will officially uh, be through the tabernacle. Like I said, Jim's going to do kind of an overview of it next week. Uh, so, And what I like about that is now he's going to be able to kind of bring a different perspective. And I think that's cool. Um, and that's a, g- a great thing. Uh, but for me, we'll be done talking about all the different uh, uh, pieces of furniture that were in the tabernacle. We started out with that uh, altar of sacrifice. Uh, then we talked about the, uh, the, the the five different offerings that were uh, that t- took place on the altar of safri- sacrifice. Uh, that's Leviticus chapter one through five. Uh, then again, in Leviticus 6 and 7, what uh, God does is he tells those, uh, those, the, the same story of those sacrifices uh, from a different perspective, where Leviticus 1 through 5 was what God did for us through the sacrifices, Leviticus 6 and 7 is what we do for God in the sacrifices, okay? Uh, and, and I think that's a big deal. I think that's a big deal in the church today. I think that's something we really need to focus on today because that's the difference between just believing and believing and receiving, you see. Okay, there's a difference. And 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 listen, I think we have a whole lot of people in church this morning that believe. But the devils believe and tremble. Okay. There's a whole different ball game when you receive. There's something different about all that. And we need to make sure that we understand the difference between the two, okay? So that's all those sacrifices. Then we came to our labor of washing, uh, and, and obviously, we 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 uh, talked about that labor and how it was a big uh, circular object uh, that had uh, water in it. Obviously, when you look down in there, it showed the reflection of you. It, it was, what's Now that you've gone to the altar, now that the penalty uh, that that was uh, put down upon you has been paid. Uh, now you have to start going through the process of getting you out of the way to allow him to work in and through you. Uh, it starts at the labor of washing. That's where it starts, where you have to start to look at yourself. You need to understand and know the difference between what is righteous and unrighteous, what is holy and what is unholy. That is Leviticus chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 22 right about in that area. Um, That's what all that God's talking about in there. He's spending all those chapters, making sure we understand uh, that there is a difference between holy and unholy. And of course, uh, he calls us to be what? Holy, why? Because he is holy and he needs, listen, it's not that he just wants. There's a difference between wanting something and needing something. Okay, listen, in America today, we're good at that, aren't we? We don't know the difference between want and need. What we've done is we kind of mix that together and things that we want, we feel like we need, even though we don't need them, you follow? But in this particular situation, let me tell you something. There is not a difference between a want and need when it comes to God, okay? He doesn't just want it. He needs the vessel to be holy for him to work through it, Okay? And so this is a big deal. Paul talks a lot about this uh, in, in, in the New Testament uh, church epistle writings. And we're gonna see that uh, obviously in the upcoming uh, months and, 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 and years even potentially, okay? But, but, but I want you to understand that. Okay. After you go through that labor washing, then you come to, uh, you go into the tabernacle itself, and we've talked about that. Uh, remember, they didn't have electricity, so uh, when you first walked in and that curtain closed, you couldn't see anything. So what you had to do is go to the left where the uh, the menorah stood, the, the the golden candlestick, and and again, what they had to do uh, is take uh, uh, some oil to light the candlestick. And we talked all about that, how the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And, and right, right, uh, uh, Andrea's still getting lit. So she, she understands, okay. You need to get lit up, okay. You need to let the Holy Spirit of God light you up. He's divine. We are the branches. We can do nothing without him. Right. That's what that golden menorah is all about. Okay, uh, okay. well, then when you're done lighting it up, so now you can see everything in the structure, now you've got to walk somewhere, yeah? You've got to walk over to the table of showbread. And that table of showbread represents the source of life because Jesus is the Word of God. This book, uh, James says, is the engrafted Word that can save our souls, Okay, this is the source of life. But, but again, we, we were reminded, but if you went to the book before you got lit by the Holy Ghost, can you read what's going on here? No, you're still in darkness. And there's the danger that I think happens with a lot of people. They head over to the book without ever getting lit. And then all of a sudden you're in darkness and you're gonna start interpreting this book for yourself and start putting things into the book that's not there. That's where presuppositions take place. That's where I would say people get just enough knowledge to make them dangerous. And Paul talks a lot about that in his New Testament epistles, uh, being careful of, of, of the danger that can come with that. All right, so now uh, we, get, we get the table of showbread, okay? We got the Word of God, our counselor. Uh, by the way, there was in two rows of six. There's 66 books in the Bible. Uh, I mean, bang, boom. I mean, God's laying it down for us, man. He ain't messing around. He's letting us know. And then you come to that uh, uh, altar of incense. And that altar of incense really is, is, is a way for God to let his people know that he wants his holy people to be able to have the ability to communicate with him. And of course, what is the altar of incense? Incense, as we saw uh, last week, yeah, uh, represents uh, prayers. That incense is uh, is us offering up prayer to God. And we talked about prayer last week, and we talked about you know, hey, if if we're gonna allow the Bible to be the authority on the subject, we really got to understand what is an acceptable prayer to God and what isn't, because there are God, there are prayers that people. Can pray that God doesn't hear, and that's crazy to think about. We we kind of look at that and go, "Huh? Yes." Uh, biblically speaking, there's no doubt about it. There are verses where God clearly says, uh, and and we talked about that last week, and we said, "Hey, you want your prayers to be answered? Pray in His will. He's not obligated to answer prayers that are not in His will. That is that that." I don't know who said fact, but I'm going with that. That is a fact. Uh, I've heard this said. You might have even heard this, right? You know my brother is. Facts are a, you know, a stubborn thing. You got to know. It wasn't, uh, oh, that's was Greg Axe. That's right. That's right. I was thinking it was uh, the other smart guy. Alan Shelby, <laughs> that's right, it was Greg Axe who said that. Facts are a stubborn thing, man. You, we can argue things all day long, but when it comes to something that's a fact, you can't argue a fact, okay? And knowing, knowing what is factual is important. Well, let me tell you something that is factual. Praying outside of God's will, he is not obligated to answer Okay, that is a fact. Um, and, and I know that that's not what we think in the church today. And I know within the church today, we've really spun this whole prayer thing to be all about me. And that's what we pray about, what me wants, what me needs. You know, the problem is Jesus taught us how to pray. And when Jesus taught us how to pray, he taught us thy kingdom come. His will be done. That's what he said. And that's a fact. Um, he said, don't worry about the things that you need. I already know what you need. Be worried about the things you don't have. And the things you don't have is in the spiritual realm that you really need. That's why he says right there in Matthew 6, lay your treasures in heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of... Okay all over there in Matthew 6 while Jesus is teaching us how to prayer, pray. And I don't know, you know, it's, it's amazing to me. What, 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 with a de- see, isn't it interesting the devil subtly has done something with that chapter? That, that, that particular chapter, yeah. right? That's the big, the big Roman Catholic yeah. prayer right there, man. Why? To get our attention off of what real prayer is. Okay, and, and I'm just telling you, man, I challenged all of you, <laughs> go back and read Paul's prayers. Go back and read Jesus's prayers. Just do it. And please, when you're done, show me. Show me where he prayed, for where any of them prayed for physical things and physical needs. They never did. They were always praying for spiritual. I, I was just reading this week, you know, what kind of hit, hit me a little bit was, you remember when Jesus prayed for uh, 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 Peter? Remember? And what did he say? Satan, we're not sift you as wheat. You know, just stuff like that, man. It's, 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 it really is a, a crazy thing. All right, so that brings us to the veil. And that's where we are this morning. We are at the veil, okay? And what, uh, what the veil represents is God wanted separation between the holy and the unholy. What was behind that veil was Uh, What we're also going to talk about today, the Ark of the Covenant, don't go forward, just stay right there until we we get there, but we are going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant and then on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. The mercy seat is where God dwelt. Okay? Uh, The mercy seat, as we're going to see, uh, represents the throne of God. Okay? So, So what this veil does, it separates the holy place from the holy of holies, okay? And listen, you, nobody, not even the high priest could go back there. You just don't go back there, man. You go back there, guess what happens? You're done dead, okay? You're dropping dead Uh, to the point where the high priest could only go back there once a year and when he did, again, this, was, this is in the, the, the Jewish uh, uh, writings. Uh, you won't find this in the Bible, so take it for what it is. But what they say is they tied a rope around the high priest because if he went back there and he wasn't ritually cleansed the way he should be, guess what would happen? Well, how do you get him? <laughs> Who's going back there to get him? Because I ain't going back there, right? So they would have the rope to be able to pull him out because uh, he's dead, Okay. So do you think God might take this stuff a little serious? I know. In the church today, we just think that God just gives us examples of what he thinks he should do, we should do. I don't think so. I think God is pretty serious about all this stuff. And and I think that there is consequences for what we do. There always is. Uh, No, no, thankfully we aren't going to drop dead today. Although I will say there are a couple people over there in Acts 5 that did. Uh, and I don't know, man. <laughs> I think if you play, you hear what I'm saying? I think if you play God play God long enough, finally he's just gonna say, you know what? You ain't doing anything that's accomplishing anything for my kingdom. Let me just remove you. I don't know if that's true or not, but it could be because he certainly did it with uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. So uh, I do think that there is a a, a fine line there. <laughs> you know, Uh I don't know what you do with all that. Uh, you just, I guess you just do what you're supposed to do and then not have to worry about it. That sounds good to me. Uh, okay, so here we are. Uh, in that inner sanctum is the Holy of Holies. I got you in Exodus, uh, let's go to 26. I think I told you 25, but I'm gonna go in 26 right now because that's where we see the, uh, the veil. Uh, let me just read a couple of verses here. Uh, chapter 26, Exodus, verse 31. He says, and thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen of cunning work, with cherubim shall it be made. And thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of shittim wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver. And we talked about what all these things mean, the blue, the purple, the scarlet, how it all represents Christ, how the the wood represents the flesh of Christ, uh, how the gold represents the uh, the, 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 uh, divinity, divinity, the deity of Christ, the kingship of Christ, uh, how the silver represents the atonement money, all this stuff, none of it was by accident. Uh, and he says, and thou shalt hang up the veil under the tashes, and thou, and thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony, and, ve- and the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. And thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy uh, place. Uh, here's a, a, a fun kind of little uh, nugget. Uh, if you didn't know this, uh, that word "mercy seat," just just kind of throwing this out there. In the Hebrew, uh, and I'm probably going to completely butcher this word, but it's something to the matter of Kaporeth Okay, do you know it? Do you know what that word is translated in the New Testament? Propitiation. Hmm. That should, that, that, that should bring in your ears uh, some, some serious stuff there because uh, Jesus was our propitiation. And what a propitiation is, it's an appeasement of something. Okay, we had wrath against us. Jesus appeased that wrath with a bloody sacrifice. That's what it is. That's, that's the same word used for mercy seat in the Old Testament. Huh, Okay, uh, so that must be important, I'm just guessing, uh, right? Uh, so here we are, we have this, this, this beautiful veil. Uh, and again, only the high priest was allowed to go behind it once a year. Uh, I think I got some verses up here to show you and I gave you some notes, but Leviticus 16.34 uh, uh, tells us, and this shall be an everlasting statute unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord uh, commanded Moses, and I think I gave you some other uh, reference points there. But so, okay, uh, we have this veil. It separates the holy from the uh, from, from the holy place from the, uh, uh, the the holy of holies. Okay, all right. So what happens here? What, what's going on here? What's this veil? Well know this, Hebrews gives us some very interesting information and really, if you really want to dig into the tabernacle and get some explanation about it, man, I'm going to tell you right now, Hebrews 9, 10, 11 yeah. is going to be a big help to you because there's a lot of explanation of things uh, over in those chapters if you want to take the time to kind of catch up on some of that stuff. we You probably have seen me refer back to Hebrews a lot and I'm doing that on purpose because uh, again, we're comparing Scripture with Scripture. We don't need to know what I, what I think. Who cares? We need to know what God's thinking about this stuff and so that's why we do that right but but listen that veil is we're told is a representation of the flesh of Christ he's the mediator between god and man he, the veil represents his flesh well what happened when he took that flesh and nailed it on the cross something happened y'all remember the story right something happened to that veil what happened It got torn down. It got ripped in two. Matthew 27, 51 notes that the crucifixion, crucifixion, uh, that the veil of the temple uh, uh, was rent in twain from top to bottom. And this resulted into an earthquake. Wow. So when the veil rips, there's an earthquake going on. I mean, you think God's got some power here? What do you think? Uh, he, he's making an emphatic statement. Jesus hung his head. nobody done took his life from him, right? Because what does he say? It is finished. <laughs> I lay down my life. No man take it from it, take it from. It. Yes. The Jews nailed him, uh, uh, you know, sent him to the cross. Yes, the Romans nailed him to the cross. Yes, me and you put him on the cross because of our sin, but none of us killed him. You understand that? He laid down his own life. Nobody could take that life from him. He gave it freely. Understand that? That's a big deal. Okay, uh, so when he did that, the veil uh, uh, tears in two. Uh, Ephesians 2, and uh, we're going to talk about Ephesians obviously here coming, starting next week, but if, uh, no, next month. Ephesians 2 notes in verse 14 through 17. Now, now watch, watch what Paul says here. Look at some of the tabernacle terminology. For he is our peace, peace offering, yeah, who hath made both one and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us. You know what he's talking about now, right? He's talking about the tabernacle, right? Having abolished in his, because that tabernacle, or that uh, 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 veil was his flesh, he, ab- he abolished it in his flesh, the enmity, we were at war against God, right? Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain two, one new man. Do you understand that? He, he took you and he took himself. And when you come to him, he makes you and him one. Yeah, you get that? Okay. I'm not so sure many people get what I just said there. Okay, I'm really not. Uh, but but that's what he did. So by doing so, he made peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off and to them that were nigh. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter two, uh, verse 14, Paul kind of gives us a little bit more information uh, on this subject. And uh, there we go. And it says, and you, Being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened, made alive together with with him, having what? Forgiving you all, look at that word. There's your trespass offering, right? Blotting out the handwritings of ordinances that was what? against you, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. I look at stuff like this and I say, well, how were we all children of God prior to this? How were we all made in his image prior to this? Someone needs to explain this because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why we, he would have to do this if we're already children of God, if we're already made in his image. If I'm already made in his image, I'm gonna live out his image because that's what Christ did. He was the express image of God. It just doesn't add up what's being taught in many of a church today. It just doesn't add up. Uh, but understand, this veil was a big deal. It had to be torn down. And because this veil was torn down, and this is where everybody in this church better pay attention right now and start giving loud amens and thank you, Lord, because when that ta- veil got torn down, you know what he did? He did. He allowed a opportunity for us to come boldly onto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy in our time of need. And if you don't say amen to that, you're not in it. You, you don't get what's going on here, okay? Listen, he gave us the ability, we don't have to go to a man. We can go directly to the throne of grace. Hmm. Yeah, amen's right. Amen's right. Praise the Lord is right. And listen, what did you do to get that? Nothing. Jesus paid it all. Yeah. All to him I owe. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? If you don't have, this is, do you, do you under, I mean, you're starting to feel like, when you start understanding things like that, does that start to make you understand why Paul says over there in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies in living sacrifice. Why? It's your reasonable service. Do you understand what he did for you? Do you understand the price he paid? Do you understand he tore down a veil that was between you and God? Do you understand that? Do you understand you were at enmity? Do you understand that you were condemned already? Do you understand that the wrath of God was abiding on you? I'm dropping Bible verses right now. If you think this is my, my, uh, my uh, no, John 3.18, John 3.36. I mean, do, you, do you understand this? <laughs> do you really get this? Because if you do, then man, it's your reasonable service. He says reasonable. Do you, Whatever you think you're giving up in this life, Paul says, I promise you. Listen, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I had it all, man. None of you can say you had anything more than me, Paul's saying. I was at the top of the game, man. And I gave it all up because it was all done. It was all done. Why? So I could win Christ and know the power of his resurrection. Listen. That's the crucified life. That's understanding what a Christian is. Just saying, I believe in Jesus ain't gonna do you no good. It ain't gonna do you no good. I'm just telling you right now. Just going to church ain't gonna do you no good. You understand? You gotta know the power that's behind all of that. You got to know him. And truthfully, it's not even knowing him, it's it's does he know you? And that's exactly what Paul says. Not that you know him, but that he knows you. Amen? All right. Glad somebody's agreeing with me. Good. Listen, uh, go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. I mean, you know what? I don't even care. I'm just gonna read the whole chapter. What do you think of that? Well, not quite the whole chapter. I'll stop around 25, but but, but just listen, man, pay attention to what is being said here, especially in light of everything we've talked about over the course of the last couple of months. Watch what he says here. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, do you see what he just said there? Listen, Christ came not to destroy the law, but to what? Fulfill it. And what the law was, it was an image of something. It was a similitude of something. You understand? It it pointed to something. Okay? And what he's saying here is the law having a shadow of good things to come. So in other words, everything was going on in that Old Testament uh, 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 tabernacle. It never took away anything. It was a shadow of good things to come. No man could get saved based on that Old Testament tabernacle, which right there tells us that no man could be saved in the Old Testament. Do you understand that? Listen, I'm telling you, most people do not think that or believe that. They think the Old Testament people are looking forward to the cross, blah, blah, blah. What? No, they're not. No, it was a shadow. They didn't know who Christ was. They couldn't know who He was. They couldn't know what He was doing. Ephesians three makes that very obvious, and we're going to see that when we get there. But look at He says, "Listen, it could never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually, make the cumber the comers there unto what? Listen, those Old Testament saints could never be perfect, but you can. Do you understand that?" Do I understand that? We, if we allow the Christ in us to do his perfect work, we can be all Christ has called us to be. That's why I think that word I can't is a swear word. You're right. You are right. You can't. But you can do all things through Christ if you let him work in you. I promise you you can, but you got to submit to the Spirit and stop walking in the flesh. You understand? Listen, he says, for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers, what? Do you see that word right there? See what he says right there? Because that the, what? Because you want to know what you did up in that tabernacle? You worshipped. Hello? Hello? Anybody else with me here? Yeah. Well, well, wait a minute. Hold on. Time out. You're telling me that they worshipped in the tabernacle? Yeah, that's what it was all about—worshipping God. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be a crazy dude. I'm not trying to be silly. I'm just asking the question: Where was the music up in that place? Where was it? Why do we equate worship with music? It wasn't in Leviticus. Yet this is the book that teaches us how to worship. I know, but I'm, I'm the crazy guy who thinks he's, he's lost his rocker. Well, maybe. I'm just telling you, man. I, I think, I didn't say we don't sing to the Lord. Obviously, we did this morning. That's praise. That's different. We're lifting up the name of Christ. And by the way, I would even argue that you need to make sure you praise him in truth. Okay, it needs to be true. There's a lot of stuff that we sing about in churches today, and in, and when I listen to the the, the I, I sometimes you know I'm getting to the point where I can't even listen to Christian music anymore because I'm listening to the songs going, that ain't right, that ain't right. I can't listen to this song, that ain't right. But everybody else is like, oh, this song is great. We heard one this morning. We won't mention the name. But I'm telling you though, we got to be careful. Satan. We Robert did a great job a couple of weeks ago telling us what Satan can do through Christmas. Okay, he remember what we told you. So don't think it's just Christmas. Don't just stop right there. He did it with everything. And by golly, he was the praise leader. He had a beautiful voice. You don't think he doesn't mess and use music. You crazy. You ain't paying attention. He is, that's that's one of his go-tos. You understand? Uh, uh, Anyways, bunny trail. Uh, Okay, verse three. But in those sacrifices is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, when who cometh into the world? That's, that's Galatians 4.4 4 right there, if you want a nice cross-reference, right? When he, who, who's the he? That's Jesus. When he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offerings, thou wast not. Who is Jesus talking to right now? Sacrifices and offerings thou wouldst not. Who's he talking to? No. He's saying, sacrifice and offerings thou would not. You wouldn't accept them. He's talking to God. Jesus is talking to God, saying, Sacrifice and offerings thou would not. But a body, God, thou hast prepared me. Did the Jews prepare a body for God, or did Jesus, or did God do that? Okay. Watch what he's saying. Don't miss this. This is a beautiful verse or passage right here. Watch. He says, but, but of a body has thou prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou has had no pleasure. Okay, he's definitely not talking to the Jews. He's definitely talking to God. Amen. Okay. Then said I, lo, I come on the vol- vol- volume of the book it is written to me to do thy will, O God. Uh, That is a uh, a cross-reference to Psalms. Above above when he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wast not, neither had pleasure therein, which are not offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will. Now God's talking to Jesus. Are you paying attention? Now God's talking to Jesus and look what God calls Jesus. To do thy will oh God. Wait a minute. How could Jesus call God God and how could God call Jesus God? Something's up there, man. That's crazy. No, that's not crazy talk. That's the Trinity at work because God and Jesus are the same. You understand? <laughs> that's why. It's, it's, it's just cool stuff. I like I dig that. I don't know if you dig that. I dig stuff like that. That's cool stuff right there, right? He says, you take away the first, then he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Listen, you don't need to put Jesus back on that. He don't need to be on that no more. That's why I don't like some of the, you know, don't buy yourself a cross with Jesus on it. If you got one, I'm not calling you a pagan. I'm just letting you know, he ain't on that anymore. He already paid it once and for all. He's up at the right hand of the father, man. You don't need to go put him back on that cross. You want to know who he needs to go on that cross now? You do. You need to go put yourself on that cross so that ye can now live in through you. Okay, we got this thing. You see, it's a subtle little twist. But man, it means everything and all the difference of everything. Y'all with me on this? He says, And every priest standeth daily, ministering the offering oftentimes, the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footsteel. And you know what he's doing on that right hand of God? He's interceding because he's the mediator between you and God. He tore down the veil. That's what he did. That's what he did. And he's waiting. He's waiting for the day, verse 13. Here's the second coming verse. When he's going to make his enemies his footstool. That day's coming. You don't believe it, go read Psalm 2. And if that doesn't convince you when you're done with that, go read Revelation 19 when the heavens open. And I behold a white horse. And he that sat upon that white horse was faithful and true amen okay he is going to return and he is going to make his enemies his footstool i'm just gonna guess it'd be wise for us not to be one of his enemies that sounds like that'd be a smart idea on your my part yeah amen okay okay it says for by one offering he hath Perfected forever, them that are sanctified. Oh, that's a great verse right there. Okay, whereof the Holy Ghost also witness to us. For after that he had said before, listen. What he's telling us is that when you when you get Christ, you get the Holy Ghost. You get him, man, and he becomes a witness to us. And he says, This is the covenant that I will make with them. And now he's talking to the Jews after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. Remember, this is a Jewish book, Hebrews. Okay. This is, although we are certainly pulling application that certainly applies to us, do remember, this is a Jewish book. He is talking to the Jews here. Okay. It says, And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Okay. Does he remember our sins and iniquities anymore? He already doesn't. So obviously this is something for the future, and that future is a Jew in the tribulation. He just talked about the second coming, okay? Uh, Okay, so don't miss that. He says, now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. What he's saying is, that's it. There's only one way. He paid for it on the cross, done, over. There is no more remission of sin, that's it. You don't get that. Well, I don't know what you're gonna do because you need that. Okay, do you understand? Uh, He says, now, uh, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, amen, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us. Man, there's a lot of tabernacle words coming up in this place right now. Through the veil, now there it is, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, amen, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I mean, my gosh, if you aren't seeing the tabernacle stuff all over this place right now, I, don't, I can't help you. Uh, that's why we spent so much time doing what we did is so that you can see it. And I hope all this stuff is jumping out at you. It says, let us hold fast. Look at this, the What? Well, you, you just told us that was for the Jews. Well, that's true. Right now he is talking to the Jew. But I promise you, there's a profession of our faith as well that Paul talks about. So, 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 so don't, don't think that's not talking to you, okay? He says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Without what? Man, that sounds an awful lot like 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56. Stand fast. Be unmovable. Always abounding on the what? The work of the Lord, which is the profession of your faith. Amen. Huh? We're, we're comparing Scripture right now with Scripture, folks. Isn't that a beautiful thing? God's letting us know, man. He says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And here you go. Here you go. What? Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approach. Do you see why this pastor and that pastor right there put such an emphasis on don't miss church? Be in church. If you can't be here physically, dang it, get online and get with your folks. God put this institution together on purpose for a reason. Don't forsake it. You understand? Now listen, I understand and, 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 and I try to be the example. Okay, so nobody take what I'm about to say and start running off and say, you hear what he just said, man? He said if I'm in church, right? right uh, no, no, I'm not saying that, okay? What I'm saying is I try to be the example as the best I can. Uh, I mean, when's the last time I missed a Sunday service? It's been a while, huh? I- I'm not saying I'm perfect, okay? I'm just, I got to be the example. I'm the, I'm the lead head pastor. I'm trying to be the best example I can. I know the day's going to come where I'm going to have to miss a Sunday service. So you know, then you can all say, that 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 crazy dude, he told us not to miss a Sunday service, and then he did it. It's going to happen, okay? I get it. Hey, I'm not saying that, 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 that it's not going to happen. What I am saying is, however, don't make that a norm. You know, you come to church two days a, week, a month, and you come to church, you don't come to church two days a month. You know what I'm saying? And hey, 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 listen, you say, well, you know, okay, so what do you say? As long as I'm in, in a church, I'm good. Well, time out now, okay? He's saying the assembling of ourselves together as a body. See, we need to grow and learn and things like that together as a body. It's hard to do that when you're not in the body. And guess, you know what's going to happen is? When you're missing church, you're falling behind, you're not able to keep up with where the rest of the church is going. And then do you know what you do? You don't even know you're doing this. But if I went to Hebrews 13, 7 and 17 right now, I can give you the proof verses to show you that you're doing this. You're making my and Robert's job harder. Do you wanna know why you're making it harder? Because I gotta spend 25 minutes doing a review because there were people that weren't here last week. And I don't know if you caught up or not. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? Does anybody get this? Listen, man. I'm not telling you if you miss church, you're a pagan. I'm not telling you if you miss church, I'm mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'll never be mad at you. I love you all. I ain't ever gonna be mad at you. You miss church. Hey, that's okay. I still love you, okay? I'm just telling you, don't worry about what I think. You might probably worry about what the big guy thinks. He doesn't necessarily like that all that much, okay? And And... and you know, you might want to think about that. And listen, uh, certainly, certainly, I get it, man. Certainly, if you miss church a couple times a year or whatever, listen, I get that. But some people, they make it a habit. Church is almost like, eh, you know, if I can go. Church should never be if I can go. You should be doing everything in your power to find a reason not to go not to find a reason, I said that wrong. You should be doing everything in your power to go and not to find a reason not to go. You know what I'm saying. I'm sure I just said that wrong again. You got, you, church needs to become that important to you because I'll tell you what, I guarantee you all you people who are making money are gonna wake up tomorrow morning at eight o'clock in the morning and you're gonna make sure you're at your job. Especially if you don't have no sick pay left. I guarantee you're gonna be done at your job because you want your check on Friday so you can pay your bills. We can do that. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know why I just went off on that. Robert told me that I need to do that, so I did. Yes, yes, that's true. Okay, all right. Then he says, Make an ark. Make an ark. Uh, Exodus 25. Uh, hang in Hebrews. We're going to come back to it, so don't, don't, don't leave there. But, but, but go, to, go back to Exodus uh, chapter 25. Let's just take a look at this ark real quick. Uh, verse uh, 25, verse 10. He, he says this uh, And they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. Isn't it amazing? You ever read stuff like this and go, why, did he, why was he so particular on this stuff? Like, why, does, do we really need to know all that? Well, yeah, you do need to know all that because it all means something. I ain't got the time to get into it all right now, but it does. And look, he it, it says, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make upon it, well, that's interesting, a crown of gold. Why would you put a crown of gold on the Ark of the Covenant? Because that's where the mercy seat's going to be. And you know who's sitting on that mercy seat? the one who deserves to have that crown. You understand? Okay, y'all got, you don't sit on that mercy seat. The high priest don't sit on that mercy seat. You know who sits on that mercy seat? And you know what? He do not get a crown. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords, okay? Uh, he, he, he gonna get the crown whether you want him to have it or not. And it ain't gonna be a crown of thorns the next time around. You understand? Uh, Listen, and it tells us, okay, it goes on to tell us uh, in in Hebrews 9, uh, I'm not going to go there for the sake of time, but if you want to read it, verses 1 through 5, it tells us that this ark uh, was put uh, inside the Holy of Holies and that inside of this ark, okay, uh, of the covenant, there are some uh, uh, particular items. And the items that were put inside of this uh, ark are very important. Because what is the ark and what does it represent? Well, the ark represents, go back, the ark represents, go back, the ark represents, go back, I feel like I'm repeating myself, am I? Do you ever listen to a record and go, oh, that's what I feel like I'm doing right now. There we go. Okay, the ark represents the, the fact that God wanted his people to know his power and his authority. That ark of the covenant, i to tell you later, now you ever watch Indiana Jones and in the, in the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Okay, although that ain't the representation of the, of the ark at all. But do you see the power and authority that thing had? That it did represent in the Old Testament to the point where I think uh, Pastor Robert preached on this quite a few weeks back. They were told, don't you touch that ark. Don't you touch it. You touch it, you die. And there, there, there they are, man. And David's trying to bring it back. Into David's doing a good thing, Right? He's bringing that ark back to the the, the, the temple. It had been stolen by the Philistines and he's trying to bring it back and the wagon shifted just a little bit and bro done reached out and he touched it. What happened to him? He done dropped dead. And we all go, man, God, come on, man. He he, he had good intentions. Yeah, he may have had good intentions, but they were never told to put that thing on an ark, on 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 a cart. The point is, God's particular about this stuff on purpose. We should pay attention. We just probably should. This ark represents power and authority. What was in the ark of the covenant? There were three things that were in the ark of the covenant. If you were to go to Hebrews chapter 9, uh, verse 4, and Exodus uh, 25, verse 16, what was in that ark? You had the tables of the law, the, the 10. Well, I don't know. Do you think that might have anything with, to do with power and authority there? What do y'all think? That sounds like it probably did, right? And then, of course, remember, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. Okay, so he didn't come to destroy the Ten Commandments. He came to fulfill the Ten Commandments, and he fulfilled every single one of them. Amen? Okay, Uh, y'all got that? Uh, All right, the other thing that was in there uh, was the, 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 the pot of manna. And we talked about that manna before, Uh, number 16, if you want to kind of do a cross-reference to that, what does the, cross-reference that, bless you, uh, with John, God bless you, uh, with John chapter number 6, and what does the manna represent? The bread of life. And Jesus says over there in John 6, yeah, in the Old Testament, man, uh, he didn't say man, but he said in the Old Testament, right? Those those, those, those boys over in the wilderness got got bread down from heaven. God gave them bread. He goes, but I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. And he goes, you eat of me and drink of my blood, you have everlasting life. That bread back there didn't do nothing for nobody. The bread I'm gonna give you is gonna do something now. What did that represent? In the Ark of the Covenant, power. Power and authority, because Jesus has all power and authority that's been given to him, amen? Okay, and then finally, Aaron's rod. What do we do with that? What's that? What's Aaron's rod? I don't even know what that is. Well, let me tell you what happened here, okay? So there were some boys over there in the, in the, in the Israelite uh, camp who, you know, you know, I don't know about this Aaron guy, man. Do we really need to follow this guy? You know, they're questioning leadership. I don't know if that happens in churches today, right? So they're questioning the leadership, right? And so, and so what happens is, Kathy, you do it the most, so be quiet. Okay, listen. No, that's not true. That's not true. I'm joking. That was a joke, Harry. Don't get mad. I was joking. I promise you I was. CJ especially. I know you're mad right now. CJ, I'm serious. I like your hair. Keep doing that. All right. My wife's getting mad right now because she goes, you never tell me you like my hair. I'm completely off subject right now. All right, so listen. Watch what happens with this, with this, with this rod. So, so there's some boys over in the Old Testament who, who, who are getting a little... Uh, you know why are we supposed to be following this Aaron guy? And God says, Alright, listen, this is what we're gonna do. Alright. You guys grab a stick, and Aaron, you grab a stick. And whichever dead stick, it's gotta be dead off the tree. Not on the tree. Off the tree is dead. It's broken. It's off the tree. And says, whatever stick blossoms, a bud, well, there you go. That's the boy you're gonna that's the boy you need to listen to. And of course, Aaron's rod budded. What does that represent? Stick. Flesh, death, resurrection. Jesus said in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. Okay. What does Paul say over there in uh, Colossians? And to know the power of his what? Do you see where we're going when we get to some of these Paul stuff? Now you can understand what he's talking about. When he says the power of his resurrection, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about Aaron's bud in the Ark of the Covenant, which represented his power. He's making a reference there and you didn't even realize he was making a reference there. He was. That's where he's bringing us back to. He's helping us understand that. These objects tell us that the law of God was in Christ's heart and he perfectly obeyed and fulfilled it. Uh, Psalm 40, verse uh, six through eight uh, tells us this. Something good. We're a little behind. There we go. Sacrifice and offering. Right? Remember? Now this is that with that Hebrew verse, right? He says, Did thou desire my eye, my ears has thou opened, burnt offering and sin offering has thou not required? Then I said, I, lo, the volume of the book is written on me. I delight to do thy will, oh my God, and thy law is within my heart. What was in the covenant? It was in my heart. Oh. I wonder what that ark of the covenant represents. Because the law is within his heart. Do you think that power of his resurrection is in Jesus' heart? What y'all think? Huh? Do you think him being the bread of life is in his heart? Man, you want to have the? I love John. The apostle John, he literally put his head on the heartbeat of the God of the universe. Do you ever think about that? That sends chills up my back. He literally leaned his head on Jesus' chest and he heard the heartbeat of God. Wow. Wow. I mean, I could probably drop the mic right now and go home. That's just good stuff right there. Listen, he is the bread of life who gives eternal life for any that receive him. Check out Hebrews 7.16. Look, look what it says here. This is a great verse. Watch this. Nope, you were there, then you left it. Go back. No, I'm not. I went back. Okay. There we go. It says, mine didn't change. I don't know. Anyways, okay. it says, who is made... Not after a law of carnal commandment, talking about Jesus. Look what it says right there. But after the power. Do you see what that says right there? Of an endless life. Huh? Anybody okay with that? Anybody okay? An endless life. You want to know that power of that resurrection? Let me tell you what happens when you get the power of the resurrection of Jesus. You get an endless life no man can take it from you. Do you understand that? Okay, you can't lose your salvation. It's an endless life. You can't lose it once you get it. Now, can you lose inheritances and rewards? Absolutely, 100%. But you ain't losing the endless life because it is an endless life and you got the power of God who has given you assurance that you can't lose it. He has sealed you with the Holy Ghost. Amen? All this stuff is being represented up there in the Ark of the Covenant. We just didn't know it. <laughs> we, weren't, we didn't see it. But, but man, God is letting us know some things. Listen, then we have finally uh, that mercy seat, that mercy seat. And we see the instructions for the mercy seat in Exodus 25. But let me just, this is really the big thing I want you to know about that mercy seat. There were two cherubim that were made. See, 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 see the picture? I don't know. Fairly good representation, I suppose. But listen, God... What does this mercy seat? God wants his people to know it was all about access to his throne that you didn't have prior. That got lost when God kicked Adam and Eve out the garden. And from that point on, nobody had access to God until we got to him setting up this tabernacle on, on the uh, Now God had access to people and He met with people, Abraham, Noah. but not everybody could do that. Do you understand? And what God wants us to understand is, although in the, in the Jewish situation, the holy, uh, not the holy, the, well, yeah, the, the, the holy uh, high priest was the only one that had access, but it was for the representation of the people. But today, we all have access to him. Praise the Lord. Y'all got access to him, man. You all can come boldly to the throne of grace in your time of need. A- a- amen. Listen, the Ark rested uh, uh, upon, uh, I'm sorry, the mercy seat rested upon the Ark of the Covenant because that was the position of what? Power and authority. Everything was, do you ever go over to the Revelation 4? Man, if you really stop and just really pay attention to what's going on in Revelation 4, do you ever wonder why there's a sapphire stone? What color Sapphire. Red. There's a sapphire stone there. I think that's interesting. Why? Why? Or sardine stone? Excuse me. Quiet down, Kathy. A sardine stone. Excuse me. Do uh, you ever wonder why there's a sardine stone? Do you want to know what? Do you want to know what's going on around God's throne? He has a sardine stone that's reflecting red off of his throne. It's a reminder of the blood that was shed. And y'all know what? One day we're going to be standing there. Well, we ain't going to be standing there. We're going to be around that throne and we're all going to be with him and we're going to be seeing that red go off of his throne and we're going to be going, oh yeah, I know what that's all about. Huh? And you want to know the one, the one that's sitting on that throne and we're all around there worshiping him and giving him the praise and honor which they're doing over there in Revelation chapter 4. Okay? They're all going holy, holy, holy. Okay? Do you want to know what's going to happen? The one the one that's on the throne stands up and he goes like this. You want to know what you're going to see in his hands? Scars. The only man-made thing in heaven. Did you hear what I just said? There's only one man-made thing in heaven. And it's the stuff we put in his hands and his feet. That's it. That's the only thing we did. Hallelujah. Great. Aren't we good people? Shouldn't it be all about us? No. No, it shouldn't be. It should be all about him. Amen. Listen, uh, on the ark rested uh, the the, the golden mercy seat, which obviously represents God's throne. Uh, Psalm 80 verse 1. uh, Psalm 99 verse 1. I gave you a couple of references there. Uh, Give us a little uh, blurb into that. Why is this going so slow? There we go. Uh, Listen, it says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, that thou dwellest between the cherubims, what she's talking about, those two cherubims that are facing one another, right? The Lord reigneth, is that power? Is that authority, all right? He says, let the people, hey, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of Knowledge, we're gonna learn about that in Ephesians if you didn't know that, right? He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. Again, representing that power and that authority. Uh, Here's something interesting. Look at Revelation chapter two. I was going to Revelation, I didn't even know it. Look at that. Check this out in Revelation chapter two. Four, yeah, that's true. There we go. Verse 2, that's both. Look, and immediately, John says, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, now watch, and before the throne, there was a sea of glass, we talked about that sea of glass, uh, under crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were, what? Four beasts. What What are these beasts, pastor? What? What is that? Well, if you cross-reference this passage with Ezekiel chapter 1 and Ezekiel chapter 10, what you're going to find out is these beasts are the cherubim. (laughs) Why did God put two cherubim on that mercy seat? Because the cherubim are the ones who guard God's throne. And You say, why is that important? Let me tell you why that's important. Because there was one other cherubim that is no longer guarding God's throne. He was the anointed cherub named Satan. That was his job when he was created as Lucifer. He was the anointed cherub that covereth the throne of God. That's a big deal now, okay? But what you see around God, whenever you see God's throne moving in the Bible, it's the cherubim that are doing the moving. And and go read Ezekiel 1 and 10 and 11 even to kind of grab onto that truth. So, so why is there cherubim built on the mercy seat? That's why. Because remember, all this is a picture of something. God's showing us a physical representation. Um, uh, and obviously, uh, the, 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 that's all important stuff, right? Listen, uh, Acts 1, 9-11. Let me kind of, kind of I'm showing my Bible. We're closing right now. Check this out, because I think this is cool. Watch this. And and so in Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10, we see these cherubim come down, and they lift up God's throne, and they remove it from the temple. And you say, why did they do that? Well, because the Jews done messed up, and God was a little angry at them, okay? And so he removed his presence from the temple. And, And that was all right around the time of the Babylonian captivity. And then, of course, they destroyed the temple, Right? Then they didn't have a temple for 400-something some, years. And you say, well, well okay, then, then God must have put his presence back in that temple when they built Solomon's tem- or uh, Herod's temple. No, no. You want to know who, who it was? Who who, who who, stood in that temple that bring the presence of God back in that temple? Who? I'm talking about Herod's temple. Did God come back and put his presence back in that temple? No. Who, who came and put his presence in that temple? Jesus did. He is the tabernacle. He brought the presence of God back in that. T- I don't know if that uh, have fun with that for a little while because that's gonna spin your brain going around for a little bit. God never put his presence in that Herod temple. That the only time the presence of God was in Herod's temple is when Jesus was in that temple. And I'm telling you, man, that's some big stuff right there. We're going to talk about that when we get to Ephesians. That's a big deal right there, okay? Not, so, so listen. But when Jesus done ascended, where did the presence of God go? Where did it go? Into us. You you don't think, do you see those cherubim guarding that thing? That's how serious God takes this thing. God takes his his throne and his temple so seriously that he done kicked Lucifer out of it for iniquity. And yet we bring it right back in. And we don't think nothing of it, and we think it's perfectly fine. I promise you God doesn't. There's something going on there, man. Listen, when the light of the world, when the light of the world ascended up, there went the light, there went the way, there went the truth, there went the life. And you want to know what he did? He put the way, the truth, and the life, and the light in us. That If that doesn't set a responsibility on us, I don't, I don't know what else will. If we don't see the importance of all that, Listen, God's spending an awful lot of time in his book explaining this stuff to us so that we would understand the importance of it. I'm just not so sure in the church today we do. How is Christ revealed in the veil? It represents the physical body of Christ, which was torn to bring us to God. How is he represented in the Ark of the Covenant? The wood overlaid by pure gold represents his uh, uh, humanity. And gold, uh, I double-worded there, sorry, uh, which represents his deity, his power, his authority. What does the mercy seat represent? Again, remember what I told you, what that mercy seat represents and what that mercy seat means. Propitiation That's what it means. Man, now you know why, Kathy, there's a sardine throne, stone. And if you, if, you don't, if, you don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's in Revelation 4, okay? There's a sardine stone, man, that's shining off of his throne, representing that propitiation because it's a bloody sacrifice, man. It's a big deal. And so, okay, here we are, man. We've gone through it now. We've gone through the tabernacle. We have a pretty good base of understanding now so that when we do jump into uh, uh, Ephesians and and, and so forth, there's going to be a lot of things that if you really have been paying attention over the last couple, two, three months, they're going to start jumping out at you. Justin, Jim, yeah, huh, huh. Okay, I, I promise you they will if they already haven't. If you're in your Bible and you're reading it, man, you're probably already picking up on stuff. They you go, man, I'm not picking up on anything. Well, that's probably because you're reading your Bible. Maybe you start reading it, and you will, okay? All right, listen, I promise you it's coming, okay? But, but, but here we are. So, so let's just finish the story. Let's put a, put a, a gift wrapped on it, because Christmas is coming. Okay, let's put a wrapping around it, okay? Because it's 12-12, and I got three minutes before I'm on time. All right, so so I can do this in three minutes, I think. Okay, listen, let's put our gift wrapped around this thing, man. Okay, so they're done, they're done building it, Exodus, right? They got this whole tabernacle set up, right? They get the, 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 the Jews uh, go through Exodus 25, 26, all the way to 39, and, and they build the tabernacle. They're very precise about everything. Everything has to be perfect, exactly the way God does it. They get this thing set up, and then look what happens in Exodus 40, verse 34 through 38. Then a cloud, Now listen to something about clouds, Remember when Jesus was received up in a, you know how Jesus is going to to return in a, you want to know why? I like how it said, because he who gets the clouds gets the glory, okay? There's something about these cloud things, man, in the Bible. And then there's something about smoke in the Bible. You should know something about smoke. Smoke in the Bible, you see smoke, you might want to back off, man, because that's about the judgment of God, okay? You don't... We don't. We, we don't like the smoke. We like the clouds. Okay, we want the cloud. Y'all with me on that? Okay, listen. So then a cloud covered the tent of the. the what? The congregation. Do y'all know what this is right now? The congregation, and the cloud. The glory. The one who sits in that cloud gets the glory. Covers the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whew. Could you imagine seeing that? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the glory of God filling the congregation? Could you imagine it? Well, you don't have to. Just look around. Just look around. You go, oh man, that'd be so awesome to have been there and see that. Yeah, it would have been. But I think it's more awesome because it's in us right now. We get such a privilege that we just squander. We really do. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up, up over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward on all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then their journey not till the day that it was taken up, For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day and fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel through all their journeys, representing what? Representing what? They could do nothing. They could go nowhere. Everything was worthless without him leading them. And if they did something where he didn't lead them, just go read some of your New Testament stories and find out what happened and how it didn't work out for them so much. But when they did, when they did follow his lead, they had the power of God with them. And listen, guys, listen, gals, you and I do too. That's the crazy part. We have it too. It's in us. If we, Would just let him work. Man, it'd be crazy to see. It would be crazy to see what this church could do. Amen? All right, everybody, y'all have a great Christmas. Okay? Remember the corny line the reason for the season. Don't take Christ out of Christmas. And don't celebrate Christ Mass. No, seriously. Merry Christmas everybody. Listen, if I don't text everybody on Christmas, it's because I can't, okay? If by any reason that happens and I don't have my phone back by then, and you go, man, pastor didn't even wish us a Merry Christmas over there on Facebook. What's going on with this guy? It's because I can't, okay? So I'm doing it now, all right? Merry Christmas. Y'all have, be safe, be good. Uh, Andrew, don't get lit up, okay? Um, and, and everybody, you know that eggnog. I know you like that eggnog, okay? Listen. Huh? Why? She's fine. Claude told me to. Claude said, hey, whatever you do. He texted me, not this week because I didn't have my phone. Last week, he said, whatever you do, make sure you keep picking on Andrea, okay? Uh, listen, no, she knows what I'm talking about. I'm telling her to be lit by God's word. What are you picking I'm not I'm picking on her. I'll, I'll pick on you when we get home. Okay, listen, I love y'all. Y'all be safe. Okay, they're all going on vacation. Be safe. Where are you going? Maryland? Maryland. be good. Okay? Uh, you're a cop remover. Yeah, you're a remover. Okay. Uh, do we have anything else going on next week? Is there anything going on next week? Beside Christmas? No. Is there a Bible on Tuesday or anything like that? No? Okay. Just Sunday next week? Oh, a Thursday too. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah, think about that for a little while. Your dad's preaching it. You might want to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So next week, Robert, next week on Thursday is Christmas Eve. We will meet together and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, enjoy. Uh, is that Thursday? Yeah. That's what I just said. <sighs> Listen, next week is next week. Yes, I'm going by the Jewish calendar. In four days, is Christmas Eve. In seven days, is Christmas Day. Or no, we're having church again. All right, Father, we come before you, Lord. We just want to thank you. Lord, ah, oh Lord, we just love you. You're so good to us. And Lord, um, we know we don't deserve your mercy. We know we don't deserve your grace, but Lord, you're so good to us. And thank you, Lord. As we finish up the tabernacle here today, uh, uh, as we prepare for uh, hearing what you've laid on Jim's heart next week, Lord, help us just to be remindful of what everything in this tabernacle represented and how uh, it was a picture to show us how much you really did love us. And uh, what you were willing to go through uh, to fix our predicament. We didn't deserve it, we did nothing to earn it, Uh, Lord, but you did pave a way, and we are grateful for it. So Lord, I just pray that we would be a a grateful church, a a thankful church. Uh, Help us to remember uh, what you've done for us uh, so that we uh, can be mindful of what it is uh, we should, not out of necessity or out of uh, having to be prodded, uh, just out of our own love of our own hearts for you. Uh, that we should be about the Father's business. We should be about what you're about, the work of the Lord. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for your birth. Uh, we are certainly grateful uh, that uh, when the time uh, was right, that you came into this world. Uh, but Lord, help us not to remember that your coming into this world uh, was for our purpose, and that was to save sinners uh, like uh, like me. So Lord, As much as we are uh, celebrating your birth, uh, certainly uh, your death means uh, far more to our eternal uh, situation. And we are thankful that you loved us us enough to do that. So Lord, help us to be mindful of that. Be thankful for that. Uh, Lord, we certainly do uh, give it all to you. And uh, we definitely love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said. Thank you for listening to The Revealing a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Salvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.